Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. And we'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. It is a new year, although we are well into it. <laughs> I, I still wrote 2022 on something, so there you go. <laughs> well, I think all of January should be a grace period for writing the former year's year, the last year's year. Uh, but it's good to see you in the new year, Meredith. I'm excited to chat with you. Let's talk a little bit about point of view, POV, to those of you. Yes, and, and, and just to back up a minute, I think that we discussed probably on one of our hikes that we would like to shift the podcast this year. And so every month we hope to tackle some kind of subject like POV. Yes. And, and talk about it as opposed to sort of the way we did it where things would come up maybe and we would talk a little bit about it sort of off the cuff. So today. That's right. And as far as our guests go, that we're shifting gears a little bit and inviting folks who are doing different kinds of things related to writing, not necessarily folks who are um, out with a new book. Yep. 2023, two new things, and we'll give it a try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll change our minds again. <laughs> That's how we work. That's how we work. <laughs> but point of view, point of view is something that is confusing. I think one of the reasons it's confusing is that if you are a reader and the writer is a talented writer, you often don't notice. Mm, good point. Um, you just fall that, into the story. Yeah. That being said, I know some people who say, oh, I'll never read a first person book or I'll never read a third person book or something. And and I then I always feel very unsophisticated because I feel like if it's good, I'll read it. So bring it on. <laughs> so let's just back up for a minute. What is point of view? I trained in film and we would talk about point of view like the camera, you know, who's uh, seeing everything, right? So the camera points at something and that's someone's vision of it so you know one of the things that people fall into a trap of is they start off and they say okay who's going to be the main character of my book and they'll say okay it's going to be Jane and then uh Jane leaves the room and action continues to happen <laughs> and somehow <laughs> <laughs> but without Jane there it really can't you have to shift point of view to someone else who would then be the camera who would observe the action. Yes, and I think that that <clears throat> applies well in um, in writing uh, the novels and nonfiction as well, but the novels that we might be writing with this caveat, if you will, that um, you made an interesting observation that action can still happen without the main character being present in the room. But then the point of view is not the main characters. In other words, a main your main character doesn't have to always be your point of view all the way through a novel. You can shift. Um, you can certainly shift. Most conventions uh, require usually a scene change at the very least, sometimes a chapter change if you're going to shift to someone else. But it is not unless Jane, you know, Jane could hear about it later, but that really lowers the value if you wanted to keep Jane as your point of view throughout your entire book. 
for instance. But yes, you can certainly shift point of view. And then let's go back in a bit because I said first person and third person. I was yeah. sort of throwing those out. Yes. So first person, these are parts of speech. First person is the I, the we, us. And a first person, a story told in the first person has a narrator who is speaking sort of directly to the reader. I got on my bike on this rainy morning and was surprised to find my house had disappeared. That's first person. Um, the third person is, would you like to pick up the baton? Uh, Kristen jumped on her bike, <laughs> you know, and rode over and then discovered that her house was gone. So a third person is, yes, the person's name or she or he, of course, <laughs> or they. Yep, <laughs> and so, yep. so it's a, it's a, it's different conventions and certain genres use one or the other more frequently. I would say first person is really common with sort of PI noir books, you know. I was sitting back in my office when she walked in. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. You know? So it's a very <laughs> like a personal and then you know, romance I think is often third and you know, in other places just take different conventions. It just depends. You as a writer, have you ever written in first person? I have. I wrote a novel in the first person, drafted a novel in the first person, and I changed it to the third person. But it was an interesting exercise. Writing in the first person does define your point of view precisely. That is, it, it really has to be your narrator's point of view because they are narrating it. And so things that happen are filtered through the eyes and experience of your character with that first person narrative. And I liked that. I liked it in the case of this story because there were things happening in this person's world that she didn't know. And it was important that she misunderstood them. Mm -hmm. And it was easier to do when all you learned as a reader was what she saw and experienced. Third person can be also quite intimate and you can hear their thoughts and that sort of thing. And that's usually called close third person. And then there's third person that's a little more distant and maybe you don't get to hear everything in their brain or maybe not, you know. So there are different degrees. It's not, uh, it's not cut and dry. There's a lot of room for creative wiggle. But I did a similar thing to you. I was having trouble with the person's voice and I ended up writing quite a bit of the book in first person as a rewrite. I then switched it back. I don't recommend this to people. It's lots of trouble and I'm very annoying. <laughs> yeah. I did switch it back, but I felt like it really helped my story. It gave it an yeah. immediacy because you are, you're like, I did. And then it just felt like I, I was pulled much more in to the character's mind and voice. And when I switched back to third, I hope I preserved some of that. But it's it's an interesting challenge. Now, there yeah. also is second person. <laughs> no, not sorry. I mean, it's really hard to pull off. And I'm trying to think of any example I could 
that would of um, a popular book written in the second person. Whoever is listening probably knows exactly has one right at the tip of their tongue. We'll try I to don't. put it in the show notes. We'll try to do a little research because I I do I do know of one, but I'm I'm I still have new year brain. I can't really remember everything, but it would be saying yeah. you you you. It's it's it can be incredibly annoying. I'm sure some people find it very off putting, but done with a with a with a talented writer, some people have pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it is much less frequently used than and then third. yeah, and then you know, then occasionally people have used the first person plural. Also hard to pull off. Points for naming the guest on our podcast that used it. <laughs> oh, oh, let's see. <clears throat> oh, Sharon Harrigan? Yes, yes. Ah, ding, 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 so ding. she had the twins speaking as one voice, and then I think at one point they split off. So it was, it was an interesting device. So I, I think, you know, I, there's all kinds of things to do to play with it, but I think the thing that you just want to be really careful with, especially as you start your first book, is that you don't slip between them uh, yeah. without understanding them so occasionally saying I and then occasionally saying she and then occasionally saying someone you know that, that that's you need to have someone copy edit you if you if you are slipping too much and let you and learn and learn which voice you would like to have your story told in so well I am excited Meredith that we will have with us a guest tonight who has much experience discussing these sorts of things and um, learning from folks who have employed all these different sorts of things because Catherine Herndon has been the executive director of the James River Writers for some years now. She has attended every conference of the James River Writers since it began. So she has um, gotten a good dosage of insights, um, secrets of the craft from folks employing it. She is um, also a writer and has written a couple of, let's see, her work has been published in the Great Richmond Zombie book and also an anthology called Rivertown. She's got a young adult fantasy novel out on submission right now and again has been um, really dedicating herself to the service to the literary community that is uh, directing the this in this case the nonprofit James River Writers. So we're super excited to have Catherine join us. <clears throat> Excuse me, what do you say we give her a call? Let's do it. Hi Catherine. Hey Kristen. <laughs> so great to hey, meet you. Thanks for coming today. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are very happy that you were able to fit us in here in January. We would love to hear a couple of different kinds of things out of your personal background, your experience working with JRW and all of that, and also your own writing journey. And we hope we might touch on our theme of the day point of view with you as well. Fabulous. Um, Yeah, yeah. Get your writing insights and then also your... um... Your organization, I'm sure, just tries to do the good work. <laughs> we definitely do. So uh, point of view is something that, that people sometimes struggle with. So, Awesome. Well, let's just start with your writing journey. What, what got you interested in being a writer? When did you feel that you could call yourself a writer? 
Um, I guess I, um, I've been writing forever, you know, ever since I was a, a wee person and also, um, probably through high school, I started sharing, um, writing with some of my friends and notebooks that we pass around. So, um, and that was just for fun. And then as far as really acknowledging calling myself a writer, I feel like I didn't really do that until I started being part of James River Writers, where, um, there were so many people in the same room at that very first conference who, were acknowledging themselves as writers and it just felt really exciting. I was uh, teaching at the time and writing was kind of this quiet secret thing that I would do, but not really something I would have said was part of my identity. And then there was this entire auditorium full of people self-identifying as writers and you couldn't like say they weren't writers because here they were showing up for a writer's weekend for a conference. So I felt like, yeah, I belong here and these are my people. Nice. That's such a that's such an affirming thing. I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, they, they can't call themselves a writer until they're published or until something. And 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 I remember someone saying to me as well at an organization, well, do you write? <laughs> then you're a writer. And I was like, oh, OK, it's that easy. All right. <laughs> we have all the time. Anytime we go um, places and have a, you know, a table where we talk about James River writers, we'll see people sort of lingering around the edges and we'll say, do you, are you a writer? And they say, oh, oh, no, no, I just, I I just write a a blog every week. Wait, yes? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 I just have, I just have notebooks full of poems. Come forward. (laughs) (laughs) You have our permission, writers out there, to be writers. That's great. And that's one of the things that I have experienced, James River Writers, as a a wonderful space to affirm the work of writing that it is yeah a a really wonderfully welcoming community i'm lucky to have been able to be a part of it when i lived in richmond and now a little bit from a distance but will you tell us a little bit more catherine about how you came to be working within james river writers and what kind of what that work looks like for you so I started, like I was just alluding to, I showed up for the very, very first conference um, back then. It was advertised in the newspaper, and I think I saw it in the newspaper, uh, and um, had a fabulous experience and met a few people that at the time I was thinking, man, it would be so amazing if I could keep these people in my life and just had no idea of how to do that. But then James River Writers kept doing things, and I kept showing up, and those people kept showing up. So uh, I made some really good friends. and. Um, having those really good friends encouraged me to keep showing up to things. And then like all nonprofits, um, James River Writers was shorthanded with things. And the more you show up, the more they're like, hey, (laughs) can you carry this into the auditorium? Hey, can you help us behind the scenes with this? Hey, can you be membership coordinator? And all of a sudden I was membership coordinator. So uh, that was fun. And then I ended up um, serving on the board and being the executive secretary and around about that time, they started talking about really wanting to have an executive director. Um, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and the right part of my career where I was really thinking about getting out of teaching. And um, I was talking to our um, our head of the board at the time. And I said, you know, what if I throw my hat in the ring for that? And she said, you definitely should. So, <laughs> Well, they found the right person. I, I have really enjoyed it and I've been doing it for um, 10 years now. I can't believe it. Um, I think amazing. I just completed my 10 years. So uh, and our 20th anniversary was just this past fall, our 20th conference. Wow. wow. 
Congratulations. But it is such a great conference. This is an annual event. And every time I've gone, I have learned something new. I come away tremendously inspired, um, in awe of a lot of the writers. I mean, they get amazing writers and it is the focus is on, on craft and writing. There are panels that handle and address business related stuff, but the emphasis really is on the art and the craft and getting better at it and supporting those who are doing it. And it's just a really great, a really great event. Yeah, uh, it's every October. So go ahead and mark your, your calendars now. It's the first weekend in October. And we're, I think the thing I love about it the most is uh, community because I just feel like even if you've maybe been to a panel before where you discuss dialogue or you've been to a panel where you talked about point of view, a, it's different people and different people have different takeaways for different um, topics. And B, you really just can't beat being surrounded and supported by people who get what you're going through. You know, who aren't like, oh, it's so sweet that you can do some writing as your hobby, isn't that nice? <laughs> Nobody's gonna say that to you all weekend long. <laughs> yeah. How much have you had to pivot your conference and your meetings to digital? So much. So in 2020, uh, in March, we just made the decision to, to go digital in March. And then all of a sudden we realized, oh, we've actually made the decision to go digital for the rest of the year. Uh, so 2020, we had our first online conference. And then um, 2021, we did it again. All of our programs in online um, from the monthly writing show to our networking events. And then 2022, we um, tried to have a few things back in person as far as the writing show and um, either uh, one time a storm knocked out all the electricity and another time we just didn't get the attendance. And so we said, okay, not quite for that. But for 2022, we did have our 20th anniversary conference in person. And people were just so excited to see each other. I felt like the, the sense of community thing on um, times 10 because people just were walking around with big smiles, happy to, oh, here's my friend who I've only seen on, on a camera for the past two years. Uh, so it was really everything I love about community multiplied uh, and it just felt so good. I, I get that we've come into a space where for some people it's always going to be better and more convenient to be on camera. Uh, so we're, we're struggling a little bit with getting back in person and you know what do we do in person? What do we do online? Uh, sometimes the teaching piece seems to work online because you can attend from anywhere, but then you sort of feel like you lose out on that personal touch. And I've talked to a lot of teachers who were like, please do not make me teach into the void anymore. I cannot, I cannot with the void. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we're just, this year we're, we're trying to do kind of a mix and just kind of playing with things. The plans to have the, the conference in person again, um, to do, I think, three writing shows in person and the other six online. Um, and then also split our networking we do a monthly networking event that's free and um, split that. We have more people from outside the state now who come to JRW things online and you know, mm. we'll fire up the camera and we'll be like, hey, from Texas. So <laughs> that's awesome. Will you say a little bit more about the writing show you mentioned? So JRW is an umbrella under which a number of things happen. It is. So the writing show is an almost monthly program. Um, I think we do, I think we've got nine planned this year. 
Uh, we've got one coming up next week in person in Richmond, and that's um, all about taking your writing to the next level. So we have some really cool speakers. Usually it's like a teeny little mini conference where we'll have three speakers and a moderator on the stage. We spend the first 45 minutes um, talking to them and then 30, 45 minutes taking questions from the audience. And uh, it's been a, a format that's worked for us for over 15 years. It's not quite the longevity of the conference, but it's still pretty been going on for pretty long. Uh, and we try to, to split it up between um, business and craft topics. So for instance, this time is sort of just an inspirational because January, everybody starts out thinking, yeah, this is the year I'm gonna write my whatever. Uh, so we want to encourage people with that, like, yeah, absolutely get on that. And um, then February, I believe we're talking about writing in multiple genres because uh, I feel like a, a lot of the messaging around writing is pick one thing that you're good at and stick to it and make a name for yourself. But I've talked to so many people who don't want to pick one thing. They want to be a poet and a sci-fi author or a fantasy author and a memoirist or, uh, you know, they or a blogger and a nonfiction essay writer. So, um, you know, how can we all do that? And why should we stay one thing if we have multitudes? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I think that um, I would say that sometimes advice doesn't always age really well. And so sometimes there was advice that was given to someone who would be very traditionally published yes. with the New York publishers. But now you have um, interesting examples of authors that are self-publishing or using multiple names or, you know, doing hybrid. I mean, there's a lot of sort of avenues. So imagine that is um, a great, you have so many topics to choose from. Exactly, show. exactly. And, and, you know, you don't have to make your name with just a, a traditional publisher anymore the way you maybe felt like you had to in the past. Like you said, there's so many options and pathways available. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's terrific. And I do feel like a lot of writers are really hungry for information. So, you know, you, you set off and it's a, it feels very solitary, but at the same time, if you can find a community, um, most writers are really happy to offer advice. It's so true. There's been so many people who've been very, very generous with their time and their uh, knowledge. And uh, we've been really lucky in our friends. And uh, Richmond has a, just a phenomenal amount of talent. And then if you expand, uh, expand that out to um, Charlottesville and the surrounding areas, there are so many talented um, writers in, in Virginia that we have just such a wealth of people to choose from to, to bring in for things. And you don't even mention Northern Virginia. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like we have so many people in Charlottesville and Richmond that frequently Northern Virginia is sort of an afterthought and we have tons of amazing people in Northern Virginia. Um, and then, you know, just in Maryland as well. So um, we have a great wealth to, to pick from. Yeah, absolutely. And then we try to get, you know, for the conference, especially we try to get some people from outside the state just so uh, people can get a variety of exposure and um, maybe see somebody that is a favorite or that they want to be a huge fan of. So Very cool. Well, I've never been to the conference. I'm embarrassed to admit. I don't know why exactly, except that I think October can be a tricky month. <laughs> it is. Like, it can be a really busy time. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is worth it. 
Um, Catherine, how do you balance everything? I mean, because you're also writing, you're writing your own, your own work, as well as running this organization, which has got to be at least a nine to five job. Uh, so all of our uh, employees for James River Writers, including me, are, are technically part time. So it could uh, it could take up more time, but um, I try to keep it a little bit under <laughs> forty hours a week. But you know, depending on the week, conference week, it's more like eighty hours a week. So, mm -hmm. um, so I do try. Uh, I mean, you do what you can with the balance. I think balance is kind of a myth, and you really need to just focus in chunks on what you need to focus on. Uh, but one thing that has really helped me a lot is, and I got this through James River Writers, is having friends who are willing to hold you accountable um, and set deadlines with you. Um, I have two friends that uh, we set monthly goals, and if we meet them, we buy each other chocolate and uh, go out for tacos <laughs> and margaritas. So, um, oh, that's great. That's yeah, actually I've heard about the stuff about like that if you know that if I really wanted to make some deadline I would tell Kristen I'd be like if I don't write 10,000 this month then I have to pay you or something and that <laughs> apparently works with people but I like the idea of getting a reward better right we've really liked the reward piece and it's I mean it's sort of the same as as I mean if you don't do it then you don't get the chocolate and your friend gets the chocolate and it feels a little bit like a punishment but um, mm -hmm. It's much more joyful when you, you know, when you do, when you are successful. And it's also, you know, really fun to check in and lift each other up and say, ah, you, you did what you meant to do. And you can set, you know, any kind of goal you want, whether it's, I will accomplish this number of words or I will, um, you know, we're all at different places. So some of their goals are, I will send out uh, queries to, to uh, people that I want to write blog posts for or people whose podcasts I want to be on or things like that. So. There is real power, I think, in telling somebody your goal or, a, <clears throat> yeah, a deadline that you intend to meet. And, uh, and in admitting that, you know, the whole piece that you're a writer that we started off talking about, admitting yeah. that you're a writer, you're owning that, claiming that, and then uh, setting some goals, setting some deadlines. Uh, you know, Douglas Adams said, I love deadlines. I love the noise they make as they whoosh past. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think, you yeah, know, left to our own devices, many writers are 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 in love with that noise but um <laughs> but having somebody when you know somebody else is making progress and it, it, you know it's not judgmental at all it's just like so how are you doing oh i'm not doing as well as i said i would <laughs> well maybe well, and also... just knowing that i told meredith i was gonna finish or i'm gonna get this thing out at the end of the month just knowing that i have said that I feel like okay i have i just have to try <laughs> as hard as i can and have a really good reason not to if I don't but, but I mean I'm I also gonna... hope that if you talk to a writer about it that maybe you'd also get a little better about setting realistic guidelines right. and deadlines for yourself like you know I mean I feel like people get so wound up so they're like oh I'm trying to write a book and if I don't write 1500 words a day how when will I ever finish it and it's like well how many do you think you could write every day right. and if they say okay I could write 300 well, you're going to get there eventually. Right. What are you going to get if every day you go, oh, I can't write 1,500 words and I'm not going to do anything. You're going to get nowhere. But if you do it just a little progress every day, then, you know, you know, you get closer and closer. And I think having other writers sort of 
reset you so you're not saying oh well this month i'm really gonna i'm gonna write a whole book in a month you know or whatever (laughs) yeah and having people who can both guide you and and sort of forgive you and gently bring you back when you do those things and you come back to me and you say um so that didn't work i really uh that, that did not, that was not a good idea. And they can say, well, you know, let's, let's think, what are you going to do for next month? Cause maybe, maybe not an entire book, maybe two chapters. Right. And then don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. Like life right. happens and you know, things you don't, you don't, you weren't expecting. <laughs> well, that's Pandemic. what the, the chocolate is for. Cause we, we do it by week. So you can get four truffles or fancy pieces of chocolate. If you do all four weeks, or you can just get three, but, uh, so it's never a zero sum. If you <laughs> like do, you do nothing at all in the month, which then it's a zero sum game. Oh, then you have to watch someone else eat the chocolate. <laughs> oh, this was sad. Oh, that is really sad. And well, Krista and I have never um, offered each other chocolate, but we do like to do you know walks every once in a while, and then we'll usually talk through what we're thinking. And I do remember saying, you know. Kristen had some very lofty goals for the year. And I remember saying, well, how about you just revise two books <laughs> or something? To I maintain, that. I maintain, and now I'm really going out on a limb because I'm going to say this to whoever might be out there listening, but I know Catherine, you are, that I, my goal for this year, for 2023, I told Meredith, and I'm, I'm going to try to go for this is to get out the things that are sitting on my desk that I have in versions. Um, Now, no, not absolutely every one of them because a couple of them require more editing than I have the time if I'm gonna do these other things to do. But basically what I'm trying not to do is continue to keep starting new things. Right, (laughs) the power of finishing. And it's a real pathology of mine. I get pretty close and then I just, with something, and then you get boy, distracted. I get ever excited about doing a brand new thing. Right, shiny <laughs> idea calling you from the corner. I know it's our thing. Exactly, exactly. I, I, did, uh, bunnies. I did get really great advice from someone one time, and they said you should always leave a project in kind of a state of finishing at whatever stage. So if it's just a, an outline idea that you've got to the end of your outline idea and then you say, I'm going to put this away for another time or a first draft or something. And I've tried to do that because I think it, you know, not for everything. Uh, and that I, But I'm also going to say, I also give myself permission to abandon a project if I say, this is not working and I've lost whatever the original fire of it was. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm not going to make myself finish this draft if I think, man, I'm not, it's not a whole book or something, you know. That's, that's, I admire that because I, I am never 100% sure if uh, I've legitimately lost the fire or if I am just in the muddly middle where I know I always lose the fire. I just need to, oh, this is horrible. It's horrible. Why did I even think? Why did I start? Oh, just keep going and it gets a little bit better. Um, but the the middle is always a, a point where I'm like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> no, it's hard to say. But I think if you're still excited by the general idea of it, you know, that if you can get back to that, um, 
But yeah, I, I don't know. I've written lots of things, so I have lots of disaster stories, I guess. <laughs> That's just part of it. You know, you, get, you write a lot, you get more successes, and you get more disasters. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, I don't know. So, But you are, you are an inspiration, Meredith, to um, finishing a thing or getting it to a point where you can set it aside. I think that, that is, there's something very powerful about that. It's a lot and, easier to come back to. But we yeah. haven't talked at all about point of view. Do you have a favorite point of view as a reader or a writer? Um, I have been writing a lot in first-person point of view. I used to write mostly in third-person point of view, and then I was working on a YA um, story, and it just wasn't going well. And I thought, you know, what if I try it in first-person point of view? Um, and I had, like, 50 pages, I think, so I... I set those aside and I started over and put it in first person point of view and it changed everything. Like I, I didn't think it would. I thought, you know, it'll be a little different. It's like a pretty close third person. So how different is it going to be? So different. Yeah. Um, and it just made that character come alive in my head. And I felt like I was so much closer to what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what they wanted to do and what their problems were. Um, and I really just loved it. So um, I've been writing more in first person um, just because I love that interiority and being so close to the characters. But um, I don't really feel like I have a, a huge preference when I'm reading because I, if it's a really, if it's a good book, then I just get lost. And you can ask me after the words, was that in first or third? And I'll be like, um, I think it was not first. <laughs> and sometimes I have to go back and look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't first. No. Yeah. So um, as long as it takes me along for the ride and gets me, you know, pretty close to the characters, I'm. I'm so YA uh, is probably another genre that does use a lot of first person. Mm -hmm. Right. We were just talking a little bit about genres, and you know, someone is setting off in a genre you know, that it's good to sort of know a little bit about what's a preference in that genre so that you're not stepping too much out. Um, right. I think a lot of YA was written in first, but uh, it's not a, a rule. I mean, I think, you know, anything that is a, a rule is just this happens a lot. But if you're good, if you're doing a good job, you can step out of your yeah out of the, the line. And yeah, um, I was telling Krista, so, you know, it's just pull down a bunch of books, see what, what, what person they're written in and what you like and, and what speaks to you. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. telling Kristen though, I have talked to people and they'll say, Oh, I never read first person. It drives me crazy. And, and I do the same thing as you, if it's written well, I don't notice. I don't notice. That, that's limiting yourself quite a bit if you're. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one I'm not that crazy about is when you have all sorts of different points of view kind of equally measured through. So I do like to follow, I like to follow one character mainly. Um, I, I'm not averse to having, I like sometimes seeing the same event from another perspective within a story, but I still, I tend to want to follow one character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that too. I mean, two points of view. I read a lot of um, rom-coms and um, a lot of them will have two points of view. And it is so it's sometimes fun to see, oh, this person is completely misunderstanding, which is you know, sort of the point of the rom-com. And, uh, and that can be fun. But I, um, 
I mean, I'm a huge fantasy reader and I read the first book of Game of Thrones back when it was really big, the first, you know, uh, season of the television show coming out. And I thought, I can't, I just don't have the brain concentration at this point to read 45 different characters who are changing points of view every chapter. Um, you would just get invested in somebody I felt like, and then I had to remember why I was invested in somebody else and then remember why, and then, oh wait, I've never even seen this person before. Yeah, so that, that's a that little bit agree. like whatever Russian novel where you have to go and check the whole family tree. <laughs> Wait, is this the same person? Yeah. Well, that thing is they have all the nicknames. And they changed names. Oh, right. and then you're just like, well, this is, this is a Russian version of Alexander or whatever. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so lost. <laughs> I want to not be lost. That is yeah, my goal. That's always a good goal. That's always a good goal. Yeah, I, and it's and it's the same thing. I don't I don't mind it. Um, multiple characters, as long as it's not too many. Uh, but it's hard to pull off as a writer because you really have to have someone care about each one, and you have to make their voices sound different enough. It's so hard. It's really hard. Um, and you know, I've heard if you if you are going to do that, that people should be able to tell who the character is without you putting at the top of the chapter, you know, this is Bob, um, that you should, you know, get a page into it and go, oh, this is obviously Bob, because Bob thinks like this or talks like this or whatever. But um, I think so few people do it, do it well. It's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, it's just been really delightful to talk to you tonight and hear about the conference and your writing journey and and get your your take on point of view I think it's 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 really one of those things that we become so used to as writers that it's hard to remember when we maybe didn't know about it uh, right and, right but it's one of those things you notice the most when it's done badly <laughs> yeah yeah but most of us read a lot of published books that have been edited and we don't and we don't really notice and sometimes and there's no shame in starting off as a writer and not understanding all the rules and all the things because you're you're new you're new here and so exactly, exactly. going to some ways you learn is by screwing it up and thinking oh that didn't work yeah what's wrong here <laughs> <laughs> or taking classes at places like your organization and exactly uh, and, and getting some feedback which is i think that's a great way to learn so, yeah so well it's well, been wonderful to talk to you all thank you it's for sharing great. your evening with us and um yeah we'll have to be there at the conference in person right Kristen? yeah october write <laughs> <laughs> it down now they're planning now yeah 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 <laughs> thank you Catherine. great thank you thank guys so you. much good night Bye. good night all right well i know where we need to go in october now <laughs> yeah road trip road trip and i make uh, richmond sound so far away um it's not Dear it's listener, true it's not it's just an hour <laughs> and if you live in the midwest you're laughing at me right now because <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it's an amazing conference so it would be really fun i think we should do it yeah i'm so happy that Catherine made the time to hang out with us this evening a little bit and it was so fun to hear her journey and 
hear, uh, hear more about JRW and everything they've been up to and how they have surfed through the pandemic and opened it yeah. up to people um, outside the state, which, you know, I think there's always, it's always good to find the silver lining in, you know, challenging times. What, what has some been some of the good have shut-ins been able to attend who can't, you know, who, who can't come out and that kind of stuff. Anything, anything like that. It's always yep. helpful. Yep. Yeah. And all these folks from out of state who are now a part of the community really is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it is true. Meeting in person does feel different. And yes. Yeah. And at the, that conference, you know, it's um, all day for those days. And so you share meals together too, snack times and coffee times. And it's nice to just be able to casually visit with somebody whose panel you might have attended and wanted to ask a couple more questions of or mm-hmm. uh, browse the books at the table that are, you know, the, the books that folks who are presenting and wrote. it's so hard to do that on Zoom. It is. Yep. Yep. But pluses and minuses of both, and yeah. I'm grateful that we can do. We've been able to do this by Zoom. That's awesome. Yes, virtually. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. Well, well, you're off to dinner. I think I'll do the same. I'd love seeing you. Happy Catherine could join us, and um, look looking forward to the next one. That's right. See you next month. Right on. Bye. <laughs>